Amen, amen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to God Squad Church. Hey, it's so good to have you here with us. My name is Susie, and I have the immense honor to be the preaching pastor here at God Squad Church. I like to preach. It's kind of a thing I like to do, and it's a good time we get to do it on Saturdays. Friends, what I want to do now as we start our message, I want to show a picture on the screen in just a moment. It's going to bring up some traumatic experiences, okay? Because anyone who has used a computer, even for a short period of time, you probably remember a moment where you have seen this bad boy right here, okay? It's the moment when your game crashes. It's the moment where whatever program you're using, it just crashes. And here's the deal. There's only one time when this pops up, and it's the worst time. Always. It's like back when you were in high school or in college, writing that 10-page paper, and you just finished it before the days of Google Docs, and who knows that literally autosave doesn't always autosave. It's finally done, and then boom! Error. Program starts working. You were doing the World of Warcraft raid. You just reached mythic level. You're about to clear the final boss. It's at 5%. And then boom, breaks, crashes. It's always at the worst time. It never comes to give you time. It's never when you just start something. It's always when you're about to finish something. The game's almost over. I was about to be the last man standing in Battle Royale. And then boom, it's broken. And here's the deal. When this thing pops up, there's only one emotion. You just want to summit punch that monitor for the glory of God. But then you realize I shouldn't because then you read the words, wait for program to respond. And here's the deal. The first time that we all saw this, we were naive to believe <laughs> that it would actually work. I've come to tell you in Jesus' name, the devil is a liar, and the program never responds. Somebody put an amen in the chat. You know what I'm talking about. You can click this thing, and you can watch the circle spin. It never works. So let me just save some of you the agonizing pain of being let down. It doesn't work. And don't even get me started that when you click it, it has the audacity to ask you, would you like to send a bug report? No, I don't want to send a bug report. First you broke my game. Now you want me to write an essay. I'm not gonna do it, okay? It's just it's not gonna happen, dude. It's not gonna happen. And when this pops up, there's only one emotion that you have. Are you ready for it? Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. I ain't got time to wait around for this program to respond. I ain't got time to sit and hopelessly watch the circle spin. I ain't got time. I ain't got time to wait. So what do we do? We hit the close option. You might alt F4, you might hit close, you might hit no. There's a bunch of different windows that might pop up. But we always, always, always never want to wait around. So what do we do? We take it into our own hands to make sure I'm going to close it. Because many of us know, like, when that thing pops up, I could close the game and reopen it faster than that thing would maybe even work. It'd just be faster if I just did it myself. It'd just be faster if I took it into my own hands. Ain't nobody got time to wait for the program to respond. And some of you might be able to relate to that scenario because it happens to most people who use PCs even a little bit. But I think if we'll be honest in our spiritual lives, some of you also might be able to relate to this. Waiting for God to respond. There's moments in our lives when you're trying to make some decisions, you're trying to get some things done, you're trying to figure out, God, should I do A, God, should I do B? God, should I take this job, should I take that job? God, I need an answer. And sometimes God's like, wait for program to respond. <laughs> and there's those moments, and it sometimes feels like it's always at the worst moments. It's always at the moments where you're out of time that God's like, give me a little bit more time. Let's just wait a little. 
little bit longer. And I'll be honest, my response sometimes is like, ain't nobody got time for that. Like, Lord, I got, I got decisions to make. We got people to talk to. We got things to do. We got a kingdom to build. Ain't nobody got time for that. And so oftentimes in our lives, instead of patiently waiting for God to respond, we start trying to take things in our own hands, start making decisions that we think are right, start making decisions that we think are good, and we can hit that close button, or we can try to alt F4, but how many of y'all know that sometimes when we take action in our own hands, rather than waiting on God, sometimes we can just make it worse. Sometimes we just make it worse. But here's the deal, I understand, waiting on God to respond is not easy. It is not easy to sit around and wait. I don't know about you, I, I got a lot of energy. <laughs> It's hard for me to sit still and wait around. I don't, I don't like waiting around. Go ahead and put, put a heart in chat if you feel me on the waiting. It's really difficult. And if we'll be honest, sometimes as a Christian, like, you're a human being. Let me just make you aware. You're a human being, so that means at times you are going to have doubts. Even if you're a person who loves God, your faith is not perfect. That's what doubt is. It's an imperfect moment in my faith where it dwindled, or it lacked, or it wasn't as strong. And sometimes you might try to take action in your own hands because you start genuinely wondering, is God able to work out whatever I'm waiting for? Is God actually able to answer my prayers? Is God actually able to provide? Is God actually able to help my marriage? Whatever it might be, you start doubting. And when we start doubting, we start taking action because sometimes we don't think that God will. And so what I want to do today is I want to bring a message I've entitled that I think all of us can relate to, how to wait for God to respond. How do we go about, in a biblical manner, how do we go about waiting when we're waiting for God to respond? And I want to read a story from the book of 1 Samuel about King David and learn from his example of many, many moments where he had the opportunity to take action into his own hands, but instead he decided to wait for God to respond. And so we're going to read 1 Samuel, starting in chapter 4, verse 1. But before we even read the scripture, i got to, I got to give some early appreciation love. Okay, I know I just invited you to the appreciation service next week, but here's the deal. Can we get some hearts and put our hands together right now for Techie in the back in the production booth, okay? we got to give my man some love, because here's the deal. Before church started, talking about not responding, right? Literally, we go to start church, and the God Squad Church computer's like, nah, bro. And it just didn't, it just wouldn't turn on. <laughs> So the computer we use to run service, we actually don't we, don't, we don't know what happened. Like, it could be broken. We don't actually know. We had to go in panic going to figure it out. So I got my PC, but that means that we didn't have all the programs. We didn't have all the stuff that we used to run the service. And so we had to kind of scrounge last minute. And so all the scriptures we're about to read, literally before service started, Techie opened up Photoshop, whatever he uses, and made these graphics. So Techie, man, mad love. We appreciate you. Thank you. You'll get some more love next weekend. But... Let's go ahead and read those scriptures that Techie has so graciously made for us. Starting in verse number one. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of En Gedi. Now, let me give you some context. Saul has now just found out where David is. When we pick up in this story, Saul is currently the king. David is already aware that basically he's next in line. Like, whenever Saul's out, I'm in. He's already aware that God has kind of chosen me for the next in line, but here's the deal. Saul was not very happy with David because in a lot of scenarios, Saul had the title of king, but for a lot of people, David had the respect of king. 
A lot of people loved David even though he wasn't in the position yet. David was a well-respected man even before he got into that position. And Saul didn't really like that. Saul didn't really like that someone could be unintentionally challenging his authority. Other people might rather follow this guy instead. And this made Saul angry. So Saul actually wanted to kill David. We're going to see on two different occasions where Saul wants to kill David so he can never be next. And so that's a little bit of the context we're reading here before we dive into verse number two. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all of Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. I'm not going to lie, bro. You must be pretty intimidated if you've got to bring 3,000 people. You know what I'm saying? Like, David, David was a beast. If you go on to read his story, like, he killed Goliath, did a lot of cool things. But 3,000, that might be a little overkill. You know what I mean? Like, 3,000 people. But it proved to work because it was unsuccessful. So, I mean, maybe he should have brought 4,000. Three, he came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there. And Saul went in to relieve himself. Let's just be honest. My dude had to poo. This just right there. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands to deal with you as you wish. So David and a buddy of his go into this cave where Saul, you know, doing his business. And David's friend starts telling him, David, this is the moment. God told you in that verse that I will bring your enemy into your hands. This is that moment. Saul is there. He's distracted, doing his thing. You should kill Saul right now. You're next in line anyway. Kill Saul. Get the whole thing over with. Don't wait until later. Let's do this now. And here's the thing. In that moment, David had the wrong voice in his ear. David knew the moment will come for me, but I know that time's not right now. But my buddy, and this is a close friend, this is a friend that I trusted to go into this cave with me, and he's saying, David this, David, this is the moment. This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you. Remember that message God gave you? Yeah, he was talking about right now. I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. When you are waiting to hear from God, you have to make sure that you block out the wrong voices to make sure that you're listening to the, the right voice. We need to pray and seek God and say, God, I got, I got this opinion in my ear and this opinion in my ear. And sometimes it's from good friends with good intentions. But even good friends with good intentions can still give you bad advice. This is a friend. This is not some stranger. This is his trusted ally. Come with me, my friend, into the cave where we don't know what's going to happen. Could get dangerous. Saul could catch us. I need my number one guy. And he's like, yeah, that message God gave you? We should kill Saul now. Good friend, good intentions, bad advice. Got to listen to the right voices. And then look what David does. Then David crept up unnoticed, and while Saul, doing his thing, cuts off a corner of Saul's robe. Now, you know, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty you know, energetic guy. I, I'm pretty creative. I like to picture things in my mind, even though it's kind of a weird scenario to probably picture in your brain. But I start asking myself the question. As I'm studying the Bible, I like to kind of put myself in this scenario. It helps the Bible come alive to me and understand it. i got to be honest. I'm reading this story, and I'm like, I'm like, my man Saul. Like, how do you not hear David, like, crab walk up next to you 
and cut off a piece of your cloak. Like, you had to realize, like, there's no, like, pairs of, like, metal scissors back in these days, okay? So it wasn't, like, sh- clean cut. Like, they had, like, daggers made out of stones that they sharpened real loud. So this is, like, David walking up, grabs his robe, and he's like, I'm like, how do you not hear all of this? Like, how do you not know this is happening? And, like, the only logical explanation I have is, like, Saul had some spicy chicken. And he's just like, ah! You know what I mean? And he's like, he's like doesn't hear any of this taking place. Too, was it too much? Was it too much? Friends, this is theology meets biology. Come on, put an amen in the chat. Praise God. Come on now. But I'm trying to make sense of the scenario, and that's all I got, friends. It's all I got. He creeps up unnoticed and cuts off Saul's rope. But look what happens next. Verse 5. Afterward, after this kind of ridiculous scene we just painted for you, afterwards, David's, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his own robe. Now, David didn't kill Saul, even though he could have. All he did was just a a little cut off his robe, and the Bible really doesn't give us a perfectly clear definition of was it wrong for him to do that or was it okay for him to do that. All we see here is that after David did something to take action into his own hands, we see that he's conscious stricken. He knows in his heart, mm, I tried to take a move myself. I didn't kill him, but I just wanted to make sure I made a point. I just wanted to make sure that I made a move. I just wanted to take action in my own hands, even just a little bit. And I want to tell you, there are going to be moments in your life where your conscience is going to play a big part in when you're waiting to hear from God. The Bible calls it discernment. The Bible says that when we give our lives to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And a big part of how the Holy Spirit will communicate to you while you're waiting is your conscience. And there are things that you might be able to know while I'm waiting from God if I think about doing something, but I, I just I feel in my conscience I shouldn't, you should, you should listen to that voice. You should talk it through with some trusted friends because sometimes we try to take action in our own, in our own hands. The Holy Spirit starts giving us red flags. Hey, I'm going I'm to communicate to your conscience. Don't do that. I know you didn't kill him. You just cut off his robe, but I want to make you aware. Wait. Even in the small ways, don't do any. Just wait. Continuing on verse number six. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master. Now, when he uses the words master, he's not talking about God. He's talking about his king, who is Saul. God forbid that I would do such a thing to my king Saul. And then he calls him the Lord's anointed. Or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. Now, if the word anointed is new terminology to you, Really, the word anointing goes way back to the Old Testament, which we're reading now, but it actually didn't even originate with something they did to people. It actually originated with what shepherds would do to sheep. You see, sheep had a problem of getting a lot of bugs on their body that would eventually crawl into their ears, get in their head, and actually start doing damage. So shepherds would oftentimes pour oil, anointing oil, on the sheep, and what this did is it actually made the sheep really slippery, and one of two things would happen. Either the bug would get stuck in the oil and die, or it would actually just slip off their body. But the point was, it was to prevent the bug from going in its ears. And anointing oil symbolized protection. That's why even in the New Testament, we see verses like, bring the elders of the church, bring some of the spiritual leaders, and they will lay hands on you and anoint you with oil. That oil is a symbolism of protection. But it can also be a symbolism of empowerment, 
or God choosing someone for a specific role. It would happen a lot when a new king was appointed. They would anoint that person as king, and there'd be protection over them, and he'd have soldiers, but also God's spiritual protection. There was a very, very symbolic meaning to all of this anointing. And David is here. He is saying, I will not try to kill what God has chosen to protect. I will not try to force something that is not supposed to happen. I'm not going to try to take things into my own hands and try to fast forward my process to become king. I'm going to wait for God to respond. Now, in the meantime, I'm going to make my point and cut every little robe. Maybe it's wrong, maybe it's not. But I'm going to, I'm going to wait. I'm not going to interrupt the process. I'm not going to hit the fast forward button. I'm not going to try to treat life like a microwave. I'm going to understand that God's promise is normally a crockpot, and it's going to take some time. There's going to be a process. I'm not going to try to speed it up. Continuing on in verse number seven, with these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. We read before, their advice was, this is your moment, you should kill Saul. David rebukes him and says, no, this is not my moment, don't touch him. And Saul left the cave, and then he went his own way. Saul, they say men are oblivious, this, this verse might be the truth right there. Then David went out of the cave and called to Saul. Now David reveals himself. My lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, why do you listen when other men say, David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you. God brought you into my hands in this cave. Some even urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. I will not try to kill what God has tried to protect. See, my father... Look at this piece of your robe in my hand. This is the robe he cut. He says, look at this, man. I cut off the corner of your robe, but I did not kill you. I want to prove to you I had the chance to try to fast forward God's plan. I had the chance to take action in my own hands, but I didn't. I did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you're hunting me down to take my life. Like, I could have killed you, but I didn't. Why do you keep trying to kill me? Verse 12, may the Lord judge between you and me. And may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done for me, you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. In that verse right there, what David is establishing, that God is the one who will take the action. I won't. God will avenge me. God will fight my battle for me. God will handle this for me. I simply just need to wait. I just need to wait. I know I'm next in line. I know I'm actually probably going to be a better king than you, but I'm called to wait. Right now in this season, there are going to be seasons of action. There's going to be other seasons of waiting. This, for some of you, is a waiting season. I'm not going to take action in my own hands. I'm not going to try to force something that shouldn't happen. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to seek God, and I'm going to wait, and I'm going to do what I do best, which is wait, and I'm going to let God do what he does. He does the avenging. He does the judging. He does what only he can do, and I will do my part. And David believed in this process of waiting for God to respond, not fast forward in the process. He believed it so much that literally this exact scenario happens again two chapters later. Like, same thing. Had an opportunity to kill Saul, but I did it. 
We just read chapter 24, chapter 26, we see literally the same scenario. Saul, again, grabs 3,000 men one more time, goes to hunt down David. They're aware of his generic location, and then they go and they camp out trying to kill David. And here we are picking up in verse 10, where David is waiting on God so much that he goes for round two. 1 Samuel 26, verse 10. As surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him. I'm going to let God do what he does. Or his time, talking about Saul, or his time will come and he's just going to die. Or he will go in a battle and he will perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. He's saying here, eventually my time's going to come. Saul's going to be out and I'm going to be next. But when I am next, it is not going to be because I tried to fast forward the process. It's going to be because I waited and let God do his process. Now, if God wants to let the process go out by striking him himself, or that he's just going to get old to die, or he's going to go to battle and die, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how the answer is going to take place. I don't know how I'm going to work this thing out in my family. I don't know how I'm going to resolve this in my marriage. I don't know how I'm going to work this out of my finances. I don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but what I do know is I'm not going to fast forward the process. I'm not going to fast forward the process by God is telling me to do something that I, am, I need to have faith for God to believe, but instead I'm going to go get a credit card for it. I am not going to fast forward the process. Nothing wrong with that exact scenario happening at some times, but if God told you to wait, well, then waiting is the answer. Taking it alone isn't. In the moment, what does God tell me to do? God's telling me to wait, then I'm going I'm to wait. I don't know how it's going to happen, but all I know is I'm going to wait for God to respond. Verse 11, but the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear and water jug that are near his head. Who sleeps with a spear next to your face? I don't know, but he does. Grab the spear that is next to his head and let's go. So David took the spear and water jug near Saul's head, again, to prove a point. You're going to wake up and that stuff's going to be gone. Well, who took it? I did. And they left. And no one saw or knew about it, nor did anyone wake up. You got 3,000 men, but they don't sound like very good men, you know what I mean? <laughs> they were sleeping because the Lord had put them into a deep sleep. Now, we literally just went through the same scenario two chapters ago. Saul takes 3,000 men. David, I'm coming for you, homie, and I'm going to try to kill you, but my men aren't very good, and I clearly, I clearly am oblivious, so I don't realize you're sneaking behind me, and so attempt one failed. The program pops up. The program crashes. First time we get, wait for program to respond. David chooses not to close. He chooses to click, wait for program to respond, and it works out the first time for him. Then we happened two chapters later, basically the same thing. And I'll be honest, like, waiting, waiting on God's not easy, but especially after such a, like, a difficult experience of having to wait, like, that's all my mental, spiritual, emotional energy gone right there. So, like, we do the exact same thing two, day, like, two chapters later. I'll be honest, like, for me, as a human being, when I, when, I, when I falter, my faith is weak, like, I might have moved that spear six inches to the left, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if I could have done the waiting again. And he does the same thing again, waits again. But there are moments when that window pops up, and it, it says, wait for a program to respond or close. And the first time, you might be patient enough to click on it. 
for the second time, man, I'd be spamming that Alt F4 so fast, my dude. But here's the deal. Sometimes even Alt F4 doesn't do the job, and we got a result to the Control-Alt-Delete. I mean, it's getting serious, you know what I'm saying? And if you know the tricks that I, that, uh, this is like the only tech thing I know. I'll give you a little tip. Control-Shift-Escape. Thank you, Jesus. I only got to use one hand for that one. On the left side, Control-Shift-Escape. I won't even charge you for that one. And you can open up the Task Manager, and you can do something that is like the end-all, be-all of closing programs. And it's not the wait for program to respond. It pops up this window. The notorious, legendary end process. This is like the, the end-all, be-all. Like, if the close on the wait for program respond won't work, if the alt F4 won't work, you can almost guarantee, not all the time, but you can almost guarantee that that end, end process, it'll do the job for you, people. Like, it will be the end-all, close-all. The next thing is, like, kick the computer if that doesn't work. You may turn that thing off. But this button, this ends the process. It will close the game. It'll close whatever thing is bugging out and freaking out on you. But here's the thing. Sometimes when we end the process, we try to end the process. Sometimes in the waiting, God is trying to teach you something. God is taking you through a process. He's taking you through a journey, stretching your faith, teaching you to rely on him, building your faith, building integrity on you. And I've come to tell some of you in Jesus' name, don't end the process. Don't try to take something in your own hands. David could have done it. Spear. Like this time, a weapon was provided for him. Like, dude, I'll even give you what you need to get the job done. Let me give you a spear. And David had all the opportunity to take it into his own hands, but instead he said, no, I'm, I'm going to wait for God to respond. I'm not going to end the process. I'll be king when I'm ready to be king. But right now, I must not be ready, because if I was, I'd be the king. Right now, my problem hasn't worked itself out. I haven't gotten that new promotion. I haven't gotten that new house. I haven't whatever it might be. Why don't I have it? Well, maybe my process isn't finished. And sometimes we can do, let's put that picture back up. Sometimes we can try to get ahead of God and just try to end the process. I just want to try to end it. Man, I really feel like waiting for God to respond, man. Because sometimes I feel like when I click that button, all I get is a spinning circle. All I get is a spinning circle. So I'm just going to try to end the process. I'm going to try to fast forward God's will. And I believe that some of us right now, we're trying to fast forward the process that God wants to do in our lives. And I've come to tell some of you, it's time to, it's time to wait. It's time to wait. We can't, we can't rush it. We can't fast forward it. And I'll tell you, there are so many blessings that God wants to do for you in the process. Don't end it. Don't end it. Sometimes the greatest gift that God will give you is not just the yes or no to your prayers. Sometimes the greatest gift he'll give you is the process. So don't, don't, don't wish it away. Don't try to end it too soon. Don't try to become king before it's your time. Don't try to fix the problem before it's your time. Sometimes you simply just need to wait for God to respond. I know for some of you as parents, some of your adult children have walked away from God, and I know it's so easy for you to want to try to step in and give your two cents, and of course, encourage your children, love them, and ask God for ways that you can use wisdom to have good conversations, but sometimes we can push, and we can push, and sometimes when we try to push, we just end up pushing 
people away. Sometimes what we do doesn't work. Sometimes you got things going on in your marriage with your spouse, and you've tried to talk it through. You've tried to work it through, and it's just not going anywhere. And every time you talk about it, it just leads to more and more arguments. It is clearly talking is clearly not working. God is saying, hey, don't end the process, but don't fast forward it. Sometimes there's nothing you can do. There's something God can do. You just got to wait for a response. Some of you right now, God has called you to create content on the internet that will help teach gamers about Jesus. But you've been making content, you've been making videos, and nobody's watching them. And you're trying to quit and throw in the towel. And if you really feel like God's called you to do it, I've come to tell you, don't quit too soon. Don't end the process. Don't end the process. If God has called you to be king, it will happen when it's the right time. If God has promised you that your child's going to come back to serve Jesus, it's going to come, but it's going to happen at the right time. If God said, I'm going to work out this thing in your marriage, it's going to happen, but it's going to happen in the right time. Sometimes you just need to wait. Don't end the process. I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. But don't take action into your own hands. Friends, I, I don't know who it's for. But I've come to tell somebody right now, you are on the brink because you're sick of waiting, of taking action into your own hands. I've come to tell some of you, you've got to wait for God to respond. Honestly, this wasn't actually even going to be my message for today. I was going to do a part two to digital cocaine. We talked about addiction to technology. I was actually going to talk a little bit more deeply about other addictions that gamers face and how to overcome addiction. And God's like, I need to get a message to somebody. I don't know who it is. I don't know if it's you thinking about starting that new business that you shouldn't. I don't know but if it's you thinking about throwing in the towel or having that conversation with your spouse. I don't know who it's for, but somebody is about to take action because they're sick of waiting. And God is telling you, wait for God to respond. Wait for him to respond. And I know that it's challenging, and I know that it's difficult. But wait for God to respond. Wait for him to respond, and he will. Sometimes it might take a little bit longer than we'd like it to, but when we're supposed to be king, it'll happen. And if you wait, if you wait, he will bless you. Let's hear our final few verses. This is verse 21. Then Saul said, I have sinned. After the whole process of David not killing him, waiting for God's response, Then Saul said, I have sinned. Come back, David, my son, because you considered my life precious today. I will not try to harm you again. Surely I have acted like a fool, and I have been terribly wrong. Sometimes in our relationships, we can try to fix things. We can try to nag. We can try to bring it up and up and up and up again. But for some of you, God wants to communicate. You've got to just let things go and let God take care of it. And maybe your spouse will come to you and say, surely I've acted like a fool and I've been terribly wrong. Verse 22, here is the king's spear, David answered. Let one of your young men come over it and get it. The Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and faithfulness. The Lord delivered you into my hands today, but I would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Verse 23, keep it up there. This is saying the Lord rewards everyone for their part, for their righteousness, for their faithfulness. The Lord rewards your waiting. He rewards your waiting, your faithfulness, to trust that he is sovereign, to trust that he is in control, and to trust that he will bring about the answer when it's time. 
And I promise you, if you wait, you will not wait in vain. The Lord will reward your faithfulness. He sees you. He hears you. He loves you. And he knows that you're waiting. But he's taken you through a process. And he doesn't want you to end it too soon. And so as we end our time together, I want to give just a few real practical tips on what, what we can do on how to wait on God. What do we actually do? Is waiting just sitting around doing nothing? Because I don't know about you, I, I, I'm not a very passive person. I, I, I like to talk things through. I like action. I like to get results. How do we, how do we wait? You might hear people say, well, inaction is action. Inaction is action, yes, but it's not doing nothing. Waiting is passive action. It's making a decision. I am going to wait for God to respond. And until he does, I'm not doing anything. There might be moments where you have to make a decision. You have to make a decision. But there are going to be specific moments in your life. I mean, you, you, don't, you don't have to rush it. Wait for God to respond. And in those seasons, I want to encourage you with a few things. One, you can ask God to close or open a door that no man can shut or open. Revelation tells us that when God wants to close a door, there is no man that can open it. Essentially what that means is if God doesn't want something to happen, it's not going to happen. No matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you try to hit the close button, that circle is going to keep on spinning. We can't sometimes take things in our own action. It will not play out. If God wants the door shut, if he wants the opportunity shut, if he doesn't want the business to start, it's not going to work. But vice versa, if God wants the door to open, nobody can shut it. And when you're praying and asking God, 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 what am I going to do? Ask him, God, if you want this opportunity to be shut, then shut it. And don't even let me open it. You can ask God to confirm things through other people around you. We talked about this a few months ago. There's spiritual gifts. We believe in the gift of wisdom and the gift of knowledge. We believe in prophecy. We believe that God can send some of your way. You can pray this way. God, if you really want me to do this as a confirmation while I'm waiting for an answer, maybe God sends some away. He would say, you know what? I know we don't really know each other too well, but I was praying and I felt God wanted me to say this to you. And as soon as you hear it, you're like, yeah, that's exactly what I needed. That's exactly what I've been praying and asking God for. I don't even know who you are, but, but clearly God knows my situation. You could talk with trusted people. You could talk with your Christian friends. This is why it's so important to have an experience group. Having people in your life that you trust, that are good, godly, wise people, to talk things through. God can use other people's wisdom to confirm something in your life, to have a good conversation. Talk with your experience group. Talk with your experience group leaders. Talk with pastors. Talk with good, godly people in your life. Here's a big one. For some of you, this might be the thing you take away from the whole sermon. When you're waiting on God, when you're making decisions, pray as a first response, not a last resort. Well, I'm going to try to take things in my own hands, and then if my ideas and decisions don't work, well, then I'll ask God. No, no, no. Every time you're wondering, what do I do? Pray first, act second. I've been guilty of it. The f my first, my mind, my first thing goes to, what's the smartest thing I can think of? What's the best plan of action? Man, I've been at this a long time. I got some wisdom. I got some leadership experience. I can solve this problem. Me, me, me think first, pray second. No, 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 no. Pray first, think second. Pray first. It's a first response, not a last resort. 
not a last resort. One, I want to encourage every single one of you, if you're not, read your Bible. Sometimes you're waiting an answer for God. Sometimes you're like, God, speak to me. He's like, I already did. I, I put it in the book. Sometimes I don't want to repeat myself. Sometimes I don't need to repeat myself because I, I already gave you an answer. I promise you. Some of the stories in this book, that's why the Bible is called the living word. It will speak to your situation. It will speak to your life. There are people who went through already what you went through, and you're trying to figure it out, and God's like, I, I already gave you the, the instruction manual. I want to encourage you. Make it a daily practice. Read your Bible. You're trying to hear from God. Read his word. Last two things I'd say. Seek him with a whole heart. The Bible says two things. Seek. That means an intentional seeking. I'm going to go after God, trying to get an answer. I'm not just going to sit around. I'm going to sit around and wait, but I'm not going to sit around and not pray. I'm going to seek God. And it says, he who seeks me with a whole heart, then he will find me. But if we'll be honest, sometimes we seek him with a half heart. Sometimes we, I'm so desperate for God to answer me, but our prayers are like, God, will you do this for me? Nothing? Okay. And we're just, we're off. Five seconds. Are we desperate to hear from God? Seek him with a whole heart. It might not happen in 30 seconds. It might not happen in 30 days. But seek him with a whole heart, with all of your passion, all of your love. And then here's a hard one. Be still and know that he is God. I'll tell you, man, I got too much energy to sit around. I got too much too much. <laughs> I do not like to be still. But God says, be still and watch me do what I do best. Watch me do what you can't. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. And it's hard to wait for an answer. But just like the Israelites in the Old Testament, God promised them, I'm going to take you to the promised land. They tried to fast forward that process, and they went wandering for 40 days. Hey, let me, go, let me go get a sneak peek. Let me try to do this. And because they tried to fast forward the process, they didn't just wander for 40 days. They started wandering for 40 years. God's telling some of you, be still, because if you try to do this yourself, you're going to make it worse. Be still. Be still. Know that I'm God. And so here's what I want to do as we end our time together. I want to give us an opportunity to, to practice being still. We're not going to sing a song. I'm not even going to stand up here and pray. It might even get awkward from a content standpoint. So you're just going to stand there in silence and we're all just going to be still and, and talk to God ourselves? Yeah. My main concern is not great content. My main concern is making sure that you connect with God. And sometimes you don't need another word from me. You need a word from God. You need Him to speak to you. And we need to discipline ourselves and practice being still. So Amanda's going to play piano, but she's not going to sing. There's not going to be any words on the screen. And I'm going to probably just pace back and forth right here as I talk to God. And whatever it is that you're waiting, talk to him. Ask him, God, give me peace. Give me strength. God, what should I do? But here's what I'll promise for some of you. You might not get an answer in the next few minutes. And you're going to have to do it again tomorrow. And the day after that. But no matter how long it takes you, I know it's hard. Keep waiting. Don't move. Don't make an action until you, until you hear from God. Don't speed up the process. Don't end the process. Don't alt F4. Don't click close. Wait until you hear 
from God. So I challenge you, let's, let's, let's practice it right now. I'm going to stop talking, and I encourage you to close your eyes. You want to bow your head. You want to get on your knees. What do you want to stand? Whatever it might be, talk to God and wait for him to respond. Let's pray. I want to read one last verse to you. Daniel 10, 12. It says, then he continued. This is God speaking. Then do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding. Since the first day that you tried to get an answer. And to humble yourself before God. Your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. Some of y'all have been praying certain prayers for so long. You're wondering, does God even hear me? Is he, is he listening? Is he listening to me? And then when we finally do get an answer, we can almost think, well, he didn't hear me for a long time, but he heard this one. Look what the verse says. Since, since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding, since the first time you asked me, since the first time you prayed, since the first time you tried to gain understanding of what was going on, since the first moment you came to me with your current need, your words were heard. I may not have given you the answer you wanted the first time, but I heard you on the first time. I've been listening. I love you. You are my child. And when the time is right, God says, I will come in response. He will respond to you. I can't tell you when. I can't promise you what it'll look like, but he will respond. God is always aware. He sees you. He knows your situation, and he loves you. Since the beginning of time, God has been aware of humanity, and he always comes at the right time to respond. God was aware from the very, very first moment that mankind fell into sin. And may, it may have seemed like for a while, is God even there? It may seem like all the craziness going on in the world, is God even there? But I promise you in the right time, he will respond in the way that he knows is best. And that is what God did when he sent his son, Jesus Christ. His response to the sin of humanity was his son, Jesus. That he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you and for me. His response, like we celebrated communion, was to shed his blood and to rise from the grave three days later to showcase to you, no matter what your life is fighting against you, I am the answer. I am the way. I know that we were separated because of sin, but Jesus is the response to your salvation. Jesus is the response to your depression. Jesus is the response to your sin. He is the way, and God has freely given Jesus as a gift to you and I. God responded through Jesus, but now God is asking us to respond to Jesus by giving our lives to say yes to follow him, to acknowledge that I'm going to turn from my ways and follow Jesus. And no matter who you are, no matter what you've been through, no matter what sins you've committed, no matter what kind of shame you're carrying today, Jesus has come to save us from our sins. And God wants to invite you to be a part of his family. And so what I want to do is I want, I want to pray a prayer with you, maybe for some of you for the first time ever, as you make a decision to say yes to follow Jesus. And we want to walk alongside you in that journey. So if that's you and you've never, never prayed a prayer to say yes to follow Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to pray this prayer with me as you say yes to Christ. Pray this with me. God, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. And I ask you, God, 
to forgive me of my sins and to help me to follow you. I invite you, God, to be my Lord and my Savior. Change me, transform me, and help me to love you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Ladies and gentlemen, will you put your hands together, put some Jesus hype in the chat for those that are saying yes to follow Jesus. Hey, congratulations to some of you that just prayed that prayer. Here's the deal. Would you be bold enough if you prayed that prayer to just put a yes in the chat? We want to celebrate with you. We want to congratulate you on this journey. But here's the deal. We're going to put a link in the chat, exclamation point, next level, if someone would mind putting that in. That's going to give you a link. If you could, click that link and fill that out with as much information as you feel comfortable. It's just going to be a form that you could fill out. We want to have one of our pastors connect with you, reach out to you, and just celebrate with you as you make a decision to follow Jesus. But here's the deal. Also on that page... It's going to give you some resources. It's going to tell you what prayer is all about. It's going to tell you, what does it mean to start reading the Bible? What is water baptism all about? And how to get connected here online at God Squad Church. Congratulations. It is the best decision you will ever make. And friends, this is what we do every week, giving people opportunity to follow Jesus. But here's the deal. The ministry that's happening here at God Squad Church is not just happening on Saturdays. It's happening throughout the week with our staff ministering to people, training up volunteers, and literally together, so many people, which we're going to thank at our volunteer appreciation next week, so many people playing a part to help gamers connect to God by meeting them right where they are. And it's happening in so many ways, but here's the deal. None of that is made possible without you and your financial generosity. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much to all of you that give faithfully here at God Squad Church to make what we do possible. It's a part of our worship to God. It's a part of how we say thank you to Jesus. It's a part of us giving back. I'm not just a consumer that's come on Twitch to take, 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 take. I've come to give. God, how can my life also be used to impact other people? And so I want to encourage you, maybe some of you, you've never taken that next step in your relationship with God by trusting Him in your finances. And one of the ways you can do that is giving here at God Squad Church. And I want to say thank you to all of you that do that. It is an incredible honor. So whether you're giving the first time or continuing, no matter how much you're giving, I want to say thank you. God bless you as you give. Here at God Squad Church, there are multiple safe and secure ways for you to give. You can give by clicking on the panel below to give a one-time or monthly donation via card or PayPal. You can also go to our website, godsquadchurch.com give, and set up a one-time or monthly donation of any amount. Lastly, you can text any amount to the number 84321 to set up a quick and easy way to give. Because of you, we are able to share the gospel with gamers around the world. No matter what amount you're giving, thank you for your generosity.